we're going to uh, talk about the layers of the mind and the means to perfect those layers of the mind. So this is, um, if you were here this morning, I was reading uh, your passage, Babu saying that, you know, if you only have um, knowledge, you don't do sadhana, you know, that knowledge is bookish, it has, really doesn't have much value. So sometimes we tend to, um, and it's true that a lot of the, the philosophical things which you read, they're not going to help you to do meditation. But on this particular subject, is very, uh, Baba said that the knowledge of the layers actually helps your sadhana. Although, I don't know how, sometimes, I don't know how that works out, because when you're doing meditation, you're not going to think about all these you know, layers and stuff, but somehow he said it, it helps, it does help. And on a bigger, in a broader way, it's another way to, to look at it is like this, is that each mind is like a, it's called a reflecting plate, um, and each mind reflects the Supreme Consciousness, it's a reflecting plate. It's like, or sometimes the analogy is made with, there's like ponds, different ponds, and, and there's one sun, one moon shining, and, it's, and the moon is reflected in the pond. Now, if, if a particular pond is muddy and dirty, then you don't see the nice reflection. If that reflection, if that pond is clean, then you see the reflection. And in the human pond, the human mind, if that mind is clear, and not just in one layer, but all layers, then it's the brilliant reflection of the Supreme Consciousness. So this is um, the, the, the broader way to understand it. So the, the uh, task of yoga is actually to help humans to perfect and purify each um, particular um, layer of their being. So there are five layers of mind, but then we add the layer of the, um, I hope this, this looks it, in the last, um, the body. So the body is called Anamaya Kosha. So it means, Anamaya means food, and Maya means composed of so the layer which is composed of from food, the food that we eat. So the food that we eat, as I was talking about yesterday, is of, of crucial importance because uh, the cells, the quality of the cells that come in our food determine the quality of the cells in our body and those cells affect the mind. So, so, so it's very, very important. And also, as I was saying yesterday, that although we think of meditation as a mental pursuit, a spiritual pursuit, but it has a deep um, grounding in the body, so that if, if your body is hurting you, you, what kind of, you can't think of bliss when, when you know, the back hurts or your knees hurt or, or if you have a stomach problem or a chest problem or this problem or that problem. So, so the body is very, very important. So the yogic means of, um, of, of um, 
taking care of the body, of course, is of course food selection and asanas, yoga postures. So asanas. So this is although now in the West people are trending more to asanas, there are some people who do meditation and then they, they think that asanas are not important. You know, so you get extremes. <coughs> But asanas are truly, truly important. And the older you get, then the more you will, you will um, understand. When you're telling me about thyroid, so there, there was, I, I have a very good daughter friend, you know, we've been friends for like 20, 30 years. And then recently he developed thyroid problem. And then I said, well, don't, because, you know, in Ananda Marga, we, we talk about the asanas. And one of the, um, the, the easiest examples that you can give for the glandular effect of the asanas is... Um, the thyroid gland is here, and then we have one of the basic asanas is called the shoulder stand, sarvangasana, and then we counterpose that with the fish, and that folding of this asanas on this um, gland puts pressure, and, and the pressure um, then causes the blood to flow, and it regulates the hormones. So I said to the doctor, well, don't you do asanas? He said, no, I didn't do asanas. Now he's became regular, you know. But why become regular when you're 60 years old? You should, you should, if you're young, you should do your asanas regularly with, and take the proper food. And then this Anamaya Kosha, you know, the first layer is, 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 is ready. You know. so, so this is a very easy thing. It's not like if I tell someone to meditate, well, that's very difficult. But asana is not difficult to do. It's really not difficult. So people should take those asanas and take them seriously, and as part of the practice, it's not any, it's, it's not any less important, not any more important. All these practices count for the same. Okay. So this is the Anamaya Kosha, and the yogic means <clears throat> is through food selection and 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 asana um, practice. So this is this is the. Um, what you have to do for the Anamaya Kosha. And the food, I think everybody here knows about the sentient diet. I spoke about it yesterday. So, And the ones who weren't here yesterday, I think you know you know about sentient diet. Ravi? <laughs> yeah. Sattvic food? Yeah, yes, yes, sattvic food. So you know. Yeah, so he knows it by the, the Sanskrit name, sattvic. So sentient is sattvic. So sattvic food, you know, wherever possible. So then... The second layer is Kama, Kama Maya, Kosha. And <clears throat> this is the layer which Western psychology calls the conscious mind, the conscious mind. But the Sanskrit name is actually instructive of what it does, because karma means desire. So this is the layer of the mind where our desires are working, uh, where we, we see something and it's attractive, I, I want it. We, we taste something, oh, I want to eat it. You know, all these desires, I'm going to... Do. So this is what's going on in the waking consciousness. Our desires are, are, are um, working. Um, our senses are working. So this is the, the waking consciousness. This is the mind. And as the yogis have often said, is that the um, human body is like a chariot. 
And this is in the Vedas, they accept the body as a chariot. And they said, what is this analogy of the chariot? And the horses, they said, are the senses. And the, the reins are the mind. And the driver is the discriminating intellect. And the passenger in back of him is the soul. And so what they said is that in most humans, the horses go out of control. Because it means that many people, if they see some, oh, that looks good, I'm going to get it. You know, they don't think what, maybe it's not good or not good or whatever, they, they have no control. Or even someone who's addicted to, to some, like, uh, alcohol just smells it and then he, he's trapped. His mind, his discriminated intellect knows that it's wrong. He's been told many times and he knows also that drinking is not very good. But he doesn't have control because the horses are out of control and the, the reins, which is the, the mind, is not strong. So this is the Kamamaya Kosha. Can so, you say that again? Yeah. Yeah, so here's how I understand it. The horses are the senses. Oh, let's start with the chariot. Okay, the chariot. So you have a chariot, yeah. and there's a driver in the chariot. The chariot is what? Your body? Yeah, the chariot is the human structure. Yeah. And, um, and um, the driver is the discriminating intellect. Who knows? He wants to point the chariot this way, you know. But the horses are going that way. And that's what ha this happened to me once. We went to, um, when I was 10, 14 years old, we went to visit our cousins in Colorado. You know, we live from New York. We're the city slickers. And we went to New York, to Colorado. So they took us horseback riding. So we went to this um, ranch. And we got on the horse. And my cousin got on the horse. And his horse went immediately back to the stable. <laughs> he wanted to go out. But the horse is in control. Because the horse... A horse can feel immediately when it's um, someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And, yeah. and the horse is, um, horse is completely lazy. You know, the horse doesn't want to do work. The horse is like us. The horse doesn't want to do work if it doesn't have to do work. So the horse went immediately back to the stable. <laughs> so this is the human condition. So what we say is that the, the body is a chariot. The, um, the the um, driver is the discriminating intellect. The reins are the mind. And there's still one passenger behind us, interesting person behind us. And that's the soul, it's the Atman, it's the witnessing consciousness. So the condition of most human beings is that, well, this interest, this witnessing consciousness is, is the source of everything. It'd be an interesting person to to um, have a conversation with and find out something from. But so most, the horses? The horses is the senses. Right, the senses. So, so the problem with most humans are, is that the horses are out of control and their whole life is spent um, trying to um, get them in control and they never have time to um, um, commune with the soul. So that's why, and this is the, the Kamamaya Kosha, is the mind with the reins which is supposed to control these horses, these desires. The horses are really, the desires are expressed um, through the organs. So the problem, the human problem, one of the biggest problems of, of humanity is how to control um, these senses. You, you can't kill them. If you kill the chariot, the horses, then your chariot's not going to go anywhere. So 
and we don't want to kill the senses. Uh, you know, oh, I'm hungry, let's we shouldn't kill that so we shouldn't be hungry anymore. But we, but we want to we want to just let we want to direct them where we want to go, not where the forces want to go. So what is the yogic solution for this? And surprisingly, um, it's not anything exotic. It's Jama and Niyama, which Didi spoke about yesterday, the yogic concept of, um, of controlled uh, conduct, which, you know, is ethical, ethical for the environment and also purifying of the self. So these, this is the base of yoga, the missing base of yoga, which is not taught in, in many places. But the, the, um, there are five um, principles of jhama, which is, and I simplify it, um, those are the principles which get you in harmony with the environment. Because to do the jhama, sadhana, the yama, you always need, there's always somebody, you have to do it with somebody. Like ahimsa means not to hurt. So there has to be somebody there who is not going to hurt. You can't just practice it without somebody. And then satya means you're going to um, speak some wise things that, um, for the welfare. Well, you, have, who, you have to have somebody to speak them to. And then um, a staya means you shouldn't steal. And that means you shouldn't steal from, um, um, there has to be somebody there. And, and then you have the brahmacharya, you have to treat others as expressions of Brahma. There has to be somebody there, so like that. And a parigraha, you're not going, you shouldn't take too much, so there has to be also somebody. And all of these practices bring you into harmony with your environment. And that, that is what its goal is. And then the second group are, are more like self-purification. What do you do for yourself? Although they have an effect on the society, because if you're clean and neat, you know, and the others you know, appreciate that around you. And um, if you're contented of mind, other people will also appreciate your cheerfulness. But that contentment is, is a quality that you have to develop. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's your um, inner purification. And, um, and then if you do service to others, yeah, others are going to um, benefit from your service, but, but the tapa means to burn the impurities, and not necessarily the impurities of others, but your own impurities. And the swadhyaya that you do, that self-study, you can share it with others, but it's really, in its base, it's, a, it's an internal thing. And the Ishvara Pranidhan, which is the meditation, um, you have to do it. You can't do it for others. You have to do yours, and they have to do theirs. So these are the practices which um, purify this conscious mind and bring it under control of, of, of the yogi, of the person. So anyway, this is the, but this is the conscious mind, and most of Western psychology is here, in this conscious mind. And that's why it has to do with desire, and that's why like Freud was very big on this aspect. Of this, is everything. this explains all of you know, human life, you know, is, is explained. It explains something, it's, no doubt, but there's more. That's what the yogi said, there's much more. 
So anyway, jama and niyama is the limb of the two limbs of yoga which work here. Next one. It's called manomaya kosha. It means subtle mind in Sanskrit. And it's commonly known, we call it the subconscious mind. This is, in Western psychology, this is equivalent to the subconscious mind. So what is this mind? Um, yesterday you were asking me about dreams. So this is the, the mind where the dreams are. We're going to discuss dreams because it's a very interesting subject, um, especially when related to the mind. Um, so, so this is the layer of, of mind where, where the dreams are and where memories it's the storage of, of your, your memories. Of, of the, here's the data that's going on now. I see an orange book there, and a, and a blue book, and a, and a maroon book, and a brown book, a yellow book. And this is going on. But I can also close my eyes, and if my memory is good, I can, I can remember um, you know, there's a blue book on the second shelf, and a red book on the, the first shelf, and a yellow book is down below. And the only way I can do that is because already it's stored here. So this is the storage. This is one of the areas. This is what this does. This mind also helps you. It's it just computation and thinking, um, how to put things together uh, and, and get diverse things and then you can produce something in a um, coherent manner. So at this, this is also this is very important. Um, this schema is important when we understand even comparative religion. Because this is the layer of the mind which has um, this, the um, perception of pleasure and pain. Pleasure and pain. Um, so, so, it's, so it's very important. So it's the subconscious mind. And, and the subconscious mind is rich. It's, it's, we don't actually use it as much as it, is, as it contains. Um, in that book, Beyond the Superconscious Mind, is a, um, uh, they cite one story of, of someone who is hypnotized. They ask somebody, when you go to work, how many telephone poles do you pass? How many? No, who could, could anybody answer that? Nobody could answer. But then they put the same person in like a hip, hypnotic state, or, and then, you know, sort of a trend state. And then he could give the number because the um, the we collect a lot of things and we don't, we can't bring them up consciously, but they're in the subconscious and under proper conditions they can come up. Sometimes like when I used to go, I used to travel a lot in France, you know, so then I, then, and then I wanted to know, like if I'm in a train station, is there a place next to where I can get something to eat? And so, but sometimes all of these things, they would start to come up and I would know, yeah, in this city, even though I haven't been there in months, you know, there's some shop over there I can go to. And you get things you know, from your subconscious mind. But we would like to get more of it. Like if, if, you were, um, if you were studying for a test and had so much stuff, I think, then when you're sitting there, I'd really like to get more. How can you get more? Well, yoga has a solution for that. How to develop this subconscious mind? This would be a tremendous um, thing if we, could, if we could mine that subconscious mind. How could we mine it? So the yogic practice for mining the subconscious mind is called 
pranayama. One word. It means the control of the vital energy. Um, the prana means the, is, uh, what it also is equivalent to the breath too, uh, because the prana is associated with the breath. The prana is associated with the, all the, the what the, the yogis call the vayus, the winds that are growing in the body. They uh, they work for um, for breathing, um, the flow of the blood, elimination of of the uh, waste. There's some there's one that coordinates all of that. Even there's, there's, there's movements that we have, spasmodic movements, and hiccuping hiccup movements, even movement to go to sleep. These are all the yogic winds, the vayus. So the control of these vayus leads to control of the mind, but that's not why the yogis do it. Like the yogis don't do pranayama to get a good memory. That's a byproduct. Why we do the pranayama is because of its um, effect on the mind. Um, so people who have practiced it will know that when you, when you do a, a controlled you know, pranayama, then the mind becomes still. That's the, that's the, that's the goal. Like for instance, I used to always do this trick with my students. I said, okay, everybody now, listen to the ticking of my watch. Try this. Well, if you're really trying, what might happen is you may even stop breathing. Because when you try to get something very faint, you're going to, um, your breathing is not going to be very, um, you know, active. You, you almost, you hold your breath. It's a trick because anyway, there's, 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 there is no thing. <laughs> That's why it's a trick. But, but even if it wasn't a trick, you would still be doing the same thing. Because, so that's what, this is the polarity, that when you're in intense concentration, the breathing is shallow and even will stop. And on the other hand, when you have no concentration, like you run in a race, here's a good one, run, run around this, you know, area for a few laps, and then you come to the octagon, and then you're going to try, we're going to give you a new cupcake, and one cupcake is going to be coconut, one cupcake is going to be vanilla, and you will not be able to tell which is which if you're still breathing. Because while you're breathing, there is a, um, there's another yogic organ, which is not a physical organ, so no one should try to dissect and find it. <laughs> it's called the pranendria. And the pranendria, endria means organ, pra, it's a prana organ. It's like in the heart. And this controls our, our subtle perception of, um, of things, of, like of hardness, of softness, um, of taste. Um, so this, when the rapid breathing, the pranendria is also moving. The yogic heart is moving. And perception is, 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 is diminished. Your capacity... To, to perceive different things is diminished. Your capacity, actually, you may be a mathematician, but if, you, if you're doing your laps, you can't do your mathematics until your breathing stops. So if you can't do your mathematics, you also can't, you can't uh, catch God in your mind. 
when, when the, um, the pranandriya, you can't, the supreme subtle consciousness, the, the, the subtlety, the most subtle thing cannot be grasped in the mind. So pranayama is basically, for the yogis, I mean, there are different kinds of pranayama also for that. There's health pranayamas. But, but the main one um, that yogis do is for, to still the mind. If you can make that mind still, and then um, there's a possibility for, for deep meditation. So, so if, you, if you practice the pranayama nicely, that's why you do it even two times a day, you get two moments of peace. That's guaranteed. At least, may not last long, but you get two moments of peace, utter peace. And that's, that's beautiful. You know, I never will miss that. So, but, pranayama, the side effect of it is, another side effect, because actually it also has an importance, it purifies this subconscious mind. This is also important spiritually, but it purifies it. And, and also it strengthens it. So, so if you have, you're doing the food nicely, uh, the body will, will glow. Will not glow, but it will, it will have its um, radiance, the subject radiance. And I can, you can see it even in a person if you're really um, adept at it. You know, after some time, you'll, you can even see, you know, a shining person. And in Kamamaya, uh, if we work on our conduct in the world, then the horses will help the horses to come under control. Actually, asanas also help here, I can say. You know, we say yamani. Your asanas also help because they work on the glands, and the glands is, is working on the, um, on the organs and everything. So asanas is but we'll, I'll say secondary. So we say yamani yama, but I will say asana is secondary help you. Okay. So this is now psychology, Western psychology, more or less is finished here. That's where they go. Sometimes they don't even, you know, like you can study behaviorism and, you know, it's with, you know, the um, um, positive reinforcements, negative reinforcements, like of an animal, like if you, if you, um, the famous experiment was Pavlov in Russia with, with his bell, and he gave a dog some food that rang the bell at the same time. And the dog is ready, you know, when he sees the food, he's ready, salivates. And then later, you can just ring the bell, and the dog is, is, um, is, is ready to go. And then also, if you work with um, animals in the cage, you give them a reward, they answer the question, and then you give them two pellets of food, and, you know, then they're going to be good at, and the next time they're going to do the same thing. You can, you can train them so it's positive reinforcement. Or some rats go into the cage and they hit, there's a shock over here, it's called negative reinforcement. So a lot of psychology is all about that, and behaviorism. But then when Freud came, then he said, no, it's, a, it's let me sit down on the couch, you know, what did you dream about last night? Now we talk about the dreams, a little bit about the dreams. Most of the dreams are caused by physical um, mean, by physical causes. Means that you went to bed last night and then had a pepperoni pizza or something, you know. And and what happens? This digestion is going on. You went to sleep at eleven o'clock, you had the pizza, you know, ten thirty, and and you're sleeping, you're trying to sleep. You're sleeping, 
but the, the digestion is going on and pressure is going up on gas is going up, up even and that pressure is on the brain and the brain gets activated and then the mind starts flashing and what does it do? it takes the um, different memories that are stored in the Manomaya Kosha and those memories are um, come out but in a, in a crazy way you're 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 swimming and then you're 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 um, skydiving and there's so many different things that happen and it's, and it's not um, a coherent picture. Many dreams have this physical cause, but not all. So those dreams are random and they don't, you know, they don't really have much meaning. Um, you know, so but there are other dreams in such a room. So we have to go now. We leave the Western psychology, except for one psychologist who, who, who ventured forth here, his name was Carl Jung. And he's from Switzerland. And he said, Jung, he said there's an unconscious mind, he calls it unconscious. He said there's a vast unconscious mind where um, we're like there even that there's like racial memories like that things which are, which grow archetypes symbols he said symbols come from from some vast um, layer of, of an unconscious mind uh, and which is shared it's a shared heritage of humanity you know so he, he said this is there is an unconscious mind the yogi said also, there is, there is what they call the karana manas, the causal mind. It's, it's, or it can be called unconscious mind. Or, or, or Didi um, calls it the superconscious mind in her book. Because it, it's why we don't call it unconscious is because when we say unconscious, we think of um, somebody who's out. You know, there's, there's no. Um, um, Perception, you know, like, you, like you, the, the prize fight, he got knocked out, he's, he's unconscious, and, and there's nothing, you know, zero. And that's a, but the, the, this, con, this super conscious mind, or causal mind, has a lot of, of qual, more than the prize fighter is limp. You know, is the knowledge of past, present, future, so many things are possible with this mind. So, so it's better really to call it um, causal mind, you know, or, or by the the nomenclature of the, of the layers you know, that the, the yogis give it. Because while Carl Jung thought of it as one, the yogis say there are, there are a few layers. So, first one, he said is, the yogis say, Atimana Sarkosha. So this is the layer. It's it's a in its causal mind where our intuition um, and creativity uh, come from, and also like the, des- the desires for spirituality um, are are, um, are present here. So. It has knowledge, you know, like these, these layers have, there's knowledge, vast knowledge, which, see, in the Manomaya Kosha, 
that guy who was who went to the um, who was put under the trance and, and knew all the telephone poles, how many there were. But that was all the knowledge that he had gathered. That was his thing. But here, when we start to reach these layers, you can get knowledge or useful things which are not your particular personal experience. Like what the classic case also, I think, mentioned in that book is Mendeleev, when he, um, he, he discovered the periodic table of the elements and he, he said he got it from a dream. So, where does it come from? He didn't, he didn't go weighing every, every element and he didn't know all the elements. But, but the dream gave him that idea. So, there's some deep um, knowledge here in this, um, in, this, in this layer of the mind, you know, that where, where intuition comes from. Uh, even many um, writers and, and, and poets, like, like, like Bob Dylan says, yeah, I don't know where this all this came from. You know, he, he says, oh, he, has, he takes it as also in a very religious way too, but he, he feels, you know, he's doing God, he's an instrument of God, you know. He, so, but, but also he, he said, you know, I don't, I don't know <laughs> where all this stuff comes from. So that's where it comes from. It comes from this, this, this is, that's why this is the key to creativity. You know, there's, I'll talk about more creativity later, but anyway, but this is a key to creativity. That's why if you do your meditation, you become more creative. Um, so this is intuition. This is the realm of intuition is here, where you can know things in a holistic way rather than in a synthetic way. So, so this is the realm of intuition. And so here, the, the, in yoga, these higher layers are developed through the meditative practices. And so the one which is assigned to this one is called Pratyahara. Now this practice is commonly understood, and it's true, as the withdrawal from the sensory objects. You, you don't want to, um, when you do meditation, you don't want to um, think about, I'm sitting on the chair, and the chair is here, and there's a house, and, there's, <laughs> and you want to withdraw. I don't want to feel these things anymore. So how do you withdraw? You withdraw, there's a yogic practice, you sit in a, um, in, in a proper position, and, you, and like I told yesterday, you, you do washing before, and your body is cool, mind is, is clear, it's easy to withdraw. We, we're doing all this chanting, helps us to withdraw. So this is part of um, Pratyahara Yoga. But there's another practice which we, we do, and which I think is even more effective than all of those put together, is when we, when we, when we detach our mind from those objects through the yogic um, offering of the colors after meditation. When we imagine there's a lotus and that lotus has some flower, color, and that color is determined by the color of our mind. And if we can detach from that object, that color, our mind um, becomes free. And, that, and then you start your meditation, wow, you can really meditate. Because when you're free of, of those things, that's when meditation becomes interesting. It's still meditation, even when you're meditating on all the stuff, you say, it's still count, it's meditation. And it's become more interesting when you go free from that. So that's why this 
Pratyahara yoga, yogis do it, but the side effect of it is that their intuitive capacity increases and their creative capacity increases. That's why yogis can, can if, they, if they put their mind to cre- creative things, what they, you know, our guru's example of the 5,000 songs, that's an example of it. Because, you know, of the unlimited creativity. It's unlimited. It becomes unlimited. There's no writer's block anymore. It's unlimited. You can keep on going forever. So this is um, Atimansa Kosha. We need to, to practice our Pratyahara um, um, yoga to do that. The next one is our tough one to spell because of the Sanskrit language with so many N's, and three N's. So one of the N's is written like this. Vigyanam. And it's a J and an N come together. And when the J and the N comes together, it comes Gya. That's why we say Agya Chakra, not Ajana Chakra. Agya. When the J and the N come together, it becomes Gya. So, but, but which N is? It's this N. So it's Vigyan. Vigyana Maya. So this one's easy for me to give you the answer because I, the Sanskrit is obvious here. And Jnana means knowledge. And Vi means special. Like Vishesh means special. So Vigyana, Maya Kosha. And what is that? It means special knowledge layer. Special knowledge layer. And the special knowledge layer is the realm where when people live in that realm they become not only they have a lot of knowledge no doubt but they become wise wise what is wisdom wisdom is to know the most important thing and what is the most important thing the most important thing is to know what is, is real and what is unreal, what is, what is absolute, what is transient. So this is um, the special knowledge. So that's why there are two qualities that get developed in the yogis who are in this layer. One is called discrimination or vivek. So the yogis who are, are in this um, layer, they can discriminate. Of, uh, they can see what is lasting, what is important, what is not. Like many times, even in our life, we have to discriminate. You know, something happens, you know, and you get all, and you realize, you put, oh, just a little problem. You know, I'll, I'll fix that doorknob tomorrow. You know, or, you know, I'm not going to lose my, my gold glass, you know, my head. I rarely use that word that way yeah. What? Discrimination. Yeah. Well, discrimination. Discrimination means negative. Yeah. You're a white and you're black. It's a but, but ability to yeah, distinguish. You have to, yeah. Distinguish. Right. Yeah. You have to distinguish between what's important and what's not important. So that's Vivek. Um, so, so the yogi finally can can understand you know, what is really lasting 
and what is um, you know, this transient. And then they reach a higher state, and then they have this renunciation. I'll spell it, it's easy for you. Vairagya. And they re- renunciation means, now this is a misunderstood word, because some people think, and it's commonly thought in India, um, that renunciation means you leave, go, you leave everything and you go live in the hermitage. That's renunciation. That's the common um, understanding of it. But a deeper understanding of renunciation is that, that you can live in this world, but you're not attached to these objects. And the classic story which I've told and I've retold, I still keep telling it, is a story of this, um, this yogi, young yogic student studying with a master. Then he, like all these, all these yogic students, I want to learn more, I want the next lesson. Then he said, okay, next lesson you have to go to another guru to learn it, because I, I can, you know, he, he's a better teacher of that lesson. So then the yogi student said, well, who is this? Then he said, it's the king, his name is Janaka. It's a legendary king. I don't know if he ever existed or not, but uh, there was a city in there, I don't know. Um, so he, then the student protested, what are you sending me to the king? The king is a worldly person. He has his armies and chariots and palaces. And, uh, what am I going to learn there? Yogi says, you just go there and, and um, you will find out. He went to this place. He presented himself so the king gave him um, a room, his own room and everything, and his own place, and he's doing his thing. And the king not teaching anything. And he, yogi's thinking, what am I come here for? I'm wasting my time. And then one day, he found out that he wasn't wasting his time. Now the yogi was, um, he practiced like the ascetics of India. They, wear, they used to have like um, two sets of clothing, and just very limited um, things that they owned. You know, that's their, so he was he hanging his clothing up, you know, on the line and everything like that, wash it every day, and you know, they don't put it in the dish and wash it machine once a week, and they have, <laughs> every day they're doing hand stuff. So what happened was, one day the whole palace and the kingdom caught on fire. A fire was burning everything: the stables, the palace, the walls, the market, the houses, everything. And this Janaka, the yogi was panicking. He said, yeah, I only have two clothes and one of them is out there now. <laughs> He's going to get his thing from the line to rescue it from the fire. And when he did that, he looked up and there's Janaka. He's looking, his whole kingdom is going up in flames. And he said something like, well, even if the kingdom goes up in the flames, it's not my real wealth. I'm not losing anything. Then the student understood that this is a wise person because he understood what is really important and what is passive. You know, we say, Yogi said that if you lose your, your wealth, you haven't lost anything because you can always get back your wealth. If you lose your health, you lost something, you know, it's hard, it's, it's, even, it's more difficult, you know, it's better you lose your wealth than your health. 
But if you lose your character, you've lost everything. That means your inner strength, you've lost everything. So the student understood that this king was established in Vairagya of detachment. Not only could discriminate, but he was, he was also detached. So this special knowledge layer, so the, the special knowledge layer of the mind um, is controlled through Pratyahara. And then we go, there's more to the mind. So, but this is, this is part of what we call the unconscious mind or the causal mind. Now we'll go back to the dreams. I, I, I want, um, this knowledge and, and all of it together, they have past, present, and future is there. Past, present, and future is in this layer of mind. So what that means is that there's, there is um, something called uh, prediction. It happens with their clairvoyant kind of experiences that, that people can predict the future or they can get knowledge that they never had before. Like one, one of our classic stories of that there was one man in India and his daughter had an illness and he was, um, he was a worshipper of, of the goddess Kali. That was his deity. So and he didn't know what is, how to cure his daughter. He was not trained in medicine. So he's praying to the god, goddess. And then one night he has a dream. And in that dream, the goddess, Kali, is telling him the medicine. So how, how does this work? Um, okay, now about dreams, there's, there's different kinds of dreams. There's something called, you know, rapid eye movement. So that's when you go to sleep, um, you know, after having the pepperoni pizza, there's some rapid eye movement. But then there's some, a phase of sleep called deep sleep. And in deep sleep, the physical stimulation is not there. And, and the, the mind can go into more subtle layers. So this knowledge of the, um, of the, um, of the medicine is, is deep here. It's deep here. And so in, in his deep sleep, it's, this thing is coming up, and then it has to be given to him. How are we going to give it to this man? In his mind, every day, he sees Kali in his temple, in his prayer. So that's, a, that's the symbol. That's the, um, that's the means. So, so Kali which he already had in his subconscious mind, will speak to him in his dream and tell him the answer. Another dream, famous dream, is the dreams of Joseph in the Bible. So he was, um, he was appointed as a, you know, as a aide to, to the king because he, he had some capacity, you know, different capacity. And one of his capacities was they felt that he could tell the future and then he had the dreams of, um, of 
the ears of corn which were withered, seven ears. So then he had to understand it, you know, the, the withered corn was what they, was their experience in Egypt, in that grains, that was how the life went, you know, the Nile flooded, they got the, the harvest, it was a very important thing. So he came, he said, I, I had a dream, I dreamt seven, um, seven uh, uh, withered corns. And then he came back the next day, so I had another dream, there's seven full corn. And then he came to him, what does that mean? He said, I think it means, because he couldn't know for sure, that I think it means that there's seven years of famine followed by seven good years, and now you should, or you should save. Well, I think it was seven good ones first. I forget which the order of it, I'm not a Bible scholar. But anyway, but, the, but the, then the king was able to understand, okay, I have to, yeah, seven good ones and then seven bad ones. He said, yeah, I have to save now. In these next seven years, I'm going to save, and then when the, hot, the bad ones come, um, I'm going to do it. And then according to the um, Bible, that's what happened. But how does that happen? It's Agamemnon Sukosho. Now, the Vigyanamaya Kosho gives people not only knowledge, but wisdom. And then finally, um, you know, <coughs> um, okay. I didn't say how you can, um, how you're going to purify this one. I got so involved. Um, you will purify that deeper layer for to getting that special knowledge that through Dharana. Okay. Dharana. What is Dharana? Dharana means the concentration of mind at points. This is really the key. This is one of the key things is that the concentration of mind at a point is, is Dharana. So these points, this is one of the big discoveries of yoga, is really the points, that there are certain points, these chakras. Um, so the chakras, so you know the first chakra, the base of the body, they run along the spine. Second chakra, a little bit higher. Third chakra, up, I've leveled the navel, but it's on the spine. Fourth chakra, on the chest, but it's on the spine, but on that level. Um, fifth chakra, in the throat. And sixth chakra, in what's called the Trikuti. The Trikuti means three hills here. And, um, and the seventh chakra, Sahasrara. But there are actually nine chakras. Because um, there's... there's um, yeah, there's one chakra um, called Nalana chakra. It's like maybe, you know, like they had in the solar system, there was some planet, you know, and then, then it's not there anymore, and there's an asteroid belt. Okay. Asteroid belt, there was a planet. So this Nalana chakra is like a, like a planet that got exploded because it's located in several points. Um, um, it's, in the, it's in the nose. It's in the back of the throat, it's underneath the tongue, it's on the top of the, uh, the roof of the mouth, so, so it's exploded. But it's not a common, um, but it's used in spiritual practice, we use it. Okay. That's important too. Okay. The other one, 
another subtle chakra which is not known is called the Guru Chakra. The Guru Chakra is um, Sahasrara is like here, and the Guru Chakra is like just under it. Yeah, if you, Sahasrara Chakra is if you if you can make you on your forehead, you can go from here <coughs> with five fingers, then you get to the tenth finger, and that's where Sahasrara Chakra is. That's, then where the ten finger is, you know, that's where it is. Now the Guru Chakra is is located just underneath there. It's like it's within and, and without, you know. And, and the Guru then is sitting there. The, the spiritual, you know, inner Guru is, is there. So this is. It. And there was once a, <coughs> there's a cave in India. It's called Navachakra um, Cave, where where ancient people wrote the, the nine chakras there. But it's very, it's, you know, you don't, but most commonly people think of seven chakras. So anyway, whenever there's concentration on these points, it helps tremendously in the, in the meditation process, you know, tremendously. You know. Like you can, if you have a wild meditation, you know, um, you could just, just keep going to those points. You know, I, I, it will go under control. Yeah. It's very important. And that's why in our, the practices we're teaching, um, our, our preliminary, our first lesson in meditation where you, people, we teach a mantra and a, um, a chakra, then you have to meditate to dharana on that point. And that, that, that will help you. Because when you, when you go to your focal nucleus point, then you'll be able to meditate nicely. So that's called the first lesson. But we also teach another dharana, um, tattva dharana, where we meditate on the different um, chakras and their, their, um, con- their factors with solid, liquid, aerial, gas, ethereal. And we meditate on that and that helps to, um, and those shapes and colors and all that stuff is very important. But if you do that, then you get control of this, um, of this mind. It gets purified. And then finally, um, as the last layer, um, is Haranyamaya Kosha, and it means golden layer, golden colored layer. And this is, they don't say much about it, just that when you reach this layer, you feel that, um, you feel that, there's not much difference between me and the cosmic entity. You feel like a thin veil of separation. So this is called the golden color layer. So how are you going to reach this golden layer? And then the yogic practice is called dhyan. This is an interesting concept, dhyan. Dhyan means the flowing of the mind in an unbroken flow towards the cosmic consciousness. Unbroken flow. It's, it's a dynamic process. Whereas dharana means at a point. So it's a fixed static. Dhyan means flowing. So our first lesson that we teach is actually dharana and dhyan. It's a dharana and dhyan. Then we teach another lesson, sixth lesson, is dhyan. But, it, but you can't do the sixth lesson unless you've developed dharma. 
So this Dion, which from your first lesson or from your sixth lesson, will help you to get established in this um, Haranyamaya Kosha. And then um, the result of that is the last layer. If you, if, you can, if you can get all of this done nicely, um, you get the eighth, the eighth um, Ashti, Ashtanga Yoga, the eighth part of yoga, Is, um, is called samadhi, but that's just the result of perfecting this. So, so samadhi is the result. So anyway, these are the, the, um, the six layers. Five are mental layers, and this one is a physical layer. But if you can, um, you do all the yogic practices, these layers... Uh, they become perfected and subtle and, and, and you reflect that supreme consciousness. And in the past, um, like the idea of heaven and hell comes from really the conception of this monomaya kosha. The monomaya kosha. Uh, yeah, I'll go to heaven and in heaven um, there'll be no more pain and just unlimited joy. And that's, that's, that concept is based on that kind of knowledge of, 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 it, of it. But we want to go beyond pleasure and pain and we want to go to that, that supreme consciousness. So that's why um, Ashtanga Yoga or you know, Eight-Limbed Yoga is the way to, it's not a parcel, you know, like just um, we want to go to some heaven where there's no more pain, but we, we want to perfect all so perfecting all of the mind. I turned my answering machine up because um, Robin, when you spoke, my machine distorted and I couldn't get the last few numbers. So I had to turn up my answering machine. But it's partly, I think it partly, it's partly the fault of my machine. But also, whenever I call anybody, I always leave my number twice. <laughs> but, but anyway, but we got it finally. Um, so anyway, perfect the mind, um, and your 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 pond will become clean. All the waters in the, all the layers become clean. And what will you see in that pond? You will see the sun shining fully. So this is really what um, yogic practice 